1: Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, presented by DraftKings 2022 Fantasy Football Rankings Update. The news and notes, the biggest movers and ADP and such. Smash the like button to the episode, sub to Mayo Media Network, of course. And if you want to follow along with the updated rankings, you can find those down in the description, as you can find all of the other football related shows that we've done so far and just subscribe to the podcast and the network for more in the coming days and weeks and the entire season. Joining me on the line to break it all down to figure out where the adjustments need to be made from theathletic.com as he's want to do appearing on this program. Jake Seely, what's up?
2: What's going on? The want, I haven't heard the want to do in a while. That's a, that's a term that I don't use too often.
1: Well, that's why I have to use it. And then you use something different Then it seems like we're two completely different people. (laughs)
2: <laughs> what a concept huh I mean people will know as soon as I try to come up with a nickname for anybody that we're two different people yeah I, I suppose that.
1: I suppose that's true but I want to talk about Antonio Gibson and Brian Robinson for a second <laughs> what 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 are we doing here we have antonio gibson working with the punt team and returning kickoffs and brian robinson starting with the starters and then antonio gibson getting worked in as a receiving role but jd mckissick's not on the field so now it's like oh well maybe he's the receiving role we can utilize him as a receiver like he was used in college a lot of the times but it's like well the guy that usually does that wasn't playing i don't know if that means he's like has the job (laughs) locked or he's being cut just a
2: lot of confusing situations going on with the commanders
1: right now so what do we do
2: we start to worry about everybody involved. You, I, although I guess if you're one of the people that was over the weekend, as they're going to use him like Debo Samuel, then everybody went crazy for that because he's in the Debo Samuel role. And look at what that did for Debo Samuel, because that's what everybody wants now is a new Debo Samuel. I think we're looking right now, potentially at a committee that Brian Robinson's first second downs, uh, short yardage goal lines, Gibson sprinkled in, But as you mentioned, McKissick's there. McKissick's not gone. They brought him back after the Bills tried to sign him. So McKissick's going to be the pass catcher, has been. He was just being interviewed on the sideline during the game. So it's a full-blown committee where I think this heads, at least in my opinion right now, is that when you start seeing Brian Robinson creep in front of Antonio Gibson in drafts, I'm going to take Gibson for the value because of two reasons. Is Gibson, uh, the pass catching, even if it's not as great as McKissick, is going to be more than Brian Robinson. And we know we talk about that all the time half point, full point PPR. When you have share duties, we want the pass catchers. We always want the pass catchers. But I mentioned this with Mini on my show this morning. Is that this starting to feel a little bit like Tiki Barber. Now, I'm not saying Tiki Barber and the fact that he can go out there and everything gets fixed and all of a sudden Gibson runs for 1,300 yards and is involved in the passing game and he fixes fumbling issues and we never hear about anything ever again. But I'm saying if we look at the backfield, who is the most talented running back? It is still Antonio Gibson. So, yes, everything's been concerning. Everything is screaming in our faces to stay away. But if Gibson's going to fall to the eighth round, and he becomes the cheapest or second cheapest, well, he's right there with McKissick, I'm still going to take him at that point. If Brian Robinson creeps into the fifth, sixth, I'm out on Brian Robinson, just like it was out if Gibson was in the fourth or fifth. So I think we're looking at a committee right now, but I think that's going to turn Gibson into a potential stash and mid-round pick. And in that case, if it doesn't work out, you just drop him. Now it's at least a good value.
1: Well, I have to update the rankings because of this. I had previously had Antonio Gibson at number 23 among running backs. That's starting to feel a bit high. Yeah, not gonna we lie were to pretty you.
2: close. Uh, yeah.
1: But right now, like okay, that was ahead of A.J. Dillon. So what I've done is reverse the order, and these are all updated. Again, you can check out the rankings up on DKNation.com, or just click the link down in the description. It's easy stuff. There's also a free newsletter with more up-to-date stats, changes that happens, completely free to join the Mayo Media newsletter. Highly recommend that you go do that right now. Thank you for doing that. See, there, there was the time allotted to go subscribe to the newsletter. It doesn't take very long. <laughs> Smash the like while you're there as well. Uh, so I had him previously, I said it, number 23. So it goes James Conner, David Montgomery. I moved A.J. Dillon up to number 20. Just the more and more. I mean, I've been high on Dillon all preseason anyway. And just the more and more reports that come out of camp about how this is a 1A, 1B. I do think they'll have a lot of goal line opportunities here. and Maybe even get involved more in the receiving game like we saw towards the end of last year. It's not like they have a, I mean, they do have a bounty of receivers. They just don't have a bounty of good receivers. More on that later. So that's ahead of Josh Jacobs, who I still have at number 21 for the moment that I do want to talk about here. And then Antonio Gibson at number 22, ahead of names like Damian Harris, Zeke, Tony Pollard, Elijah Mitchell, J.K. Dobbins, Devin Singletary, Cordero Patterson. It almost feels like he shouldn't be ahead of any of those guys now.
2: Now, No, so when I updated my projections to give that more share to him uh, or to Brian Robinson, I still have him in front of Brian Robinson, but now for me, Antonio Gibson falls into the Devin Singletary, Tony Pollard, who you mentioned, Melvin Gordon, Kenneth Gainwell, Damian Pierce, Clyde edwards Timeshare situations where the talent leans towards this running back. And that's the thing. I would still take Gibson because of the pass catching, because of the talent. Brian Robinson could score more touchdowns than him, but I'm still going to keep Gibson in front of Brian Robinson. That might be a mistake, but now when you're talking about this RB3 territory... There's a lot of names in here that, you know, if you're taking them the seventh, eighth, ninth round, it's not going to hurt you as much as if you were taking them, as you just mentioned, where I actually, I was with you. I had Antonio Gibson at 21. Gibson or Damian Pierce. Damn. Ah, (sighs) I was about to go. I I think Damian Pierce, just because uh, I, I just don't see where his lost volume is going to come from much. Like Marlon Mack, you know how I feel about Marlon Mack, Burkett, whatever, like, Pierce can do both and they were so confident like the initial thing in that game when I was sitting there on Twitter with everybody else and like watching this happen and like he's not even on the field with the first team he's not even out there in the second quarter I'm like oh this is starting to be concerning because this is the second preseason game there's only three this year as we've seen the change and I was like oh but then we got the report from I think it was Aaron Shad or Aaron Nagler one of the two and they said they're so confident in Damian Pierce that they didn't see anymore like they're done they need to see everybody else so that tells me Damian Pierce is in the lead, and Damian Pierce, I know his job is set as in at least 50%.
1: So the other one that I want to kind of hammer down on who's going to be in this range, because I agree, I think I would draft Pierce over Gibson at the moment, but then I ever Rashad Penny at number 37, but now there is no tam- timetable for Kenneth Walker coming back from this hernia problem. So does that yeah. mean Penny, who had been previously banged up and is perpetually banged up, and then we're dealing with the likes of like Travis Homer and wiki-wiki DJ Dallas, that we're not too concerned about them, that how long do you think – Walker is likely to be out. And that's just pure speculation, but it does affect how you would want to draft Rashad Penny. So I think I need to boost up Rashad Penny, drop down Walker. And I think that Antonio Gibson somewhere in between them.
2: I think that's a fair spot for Gibson in between them because we are boosting Penny. There was the talk that Walker could be the lead actually very similar to this without the third option, like Nick Kissick's role for the Seahawks being Travis Homer, maybe Homer was kind of like, maybe it's Travis Homer right and that was but that was basically like a non-factor that was just like here's the ancillary piece with the washington team that's actually it's a much involved piece here it was just two with that third guy lingering around so if you take away the lead touches that were going to walker and more of like a 50 50 then and you put some of that into penny's pocket and then whoever else it might be yeah i would take penny over Antonio gibson the downside look we just saw late last year. Everybody got excited. Everybody's coming for me on Twitter because it's finally happening. Jake, you're so excited for Trey Penny. Yeah, I'm excited as anybody else is. We're still always concerned that he's going to get hurt any given week because it is recurring similar injuries. It's not like a Barkley or McCaffrey or even a Derrick Henry. You know, you blew one thing out or you hurt this, and it's none of them are related. Penny's just an injury nightmare. So, I take Penny, and if you got 10 games from Penny in the 20s, you're going to get a top 20 running back. So it's worth it. So
1: I have Penny at 34 at the moment. That's one spot behind Chase Edmonds, who was getting most of the run with the starters when Miami starters were out on the field. Would you take Penny or Edmonds?
2: Mm-hmm. I would take Edmonds. It's okay. close, but I, I mean, I would even take Penny over the split. I would take, I have him sandwiched between the Patriots guys. i go Harris, Penny, Stevenson.
1: I have Stevenson a bit more down because I like Harris and his potential touchdown upside a little bit more. And what I'm trying to draft is we've been through myriad times that I want a guy that can potentially break the slate from down here and break my season open. If Damian Harris, I feel like is going to be the dominant goal line running back, something which I'm listen, I'm wrong on a lot of things. But if he can be like the 90-10 guy in there and all of a sudden he's capable of having 18 touchdowns, he doesn't really have to do much else as long as he has that workload and the Patriots offense is capable enough of getting down to that area versus Stevenson, who feels like he'll have to earn his fantasy points the hard way. I'd rather just take the easy guys. That's the reason I have those split in between them. But I also had James Cook in this territory at number 35, but the reemergence of Zach Moss in this offense and sort of Devin Singletary seems kind of established. And I I think that when they drafted James Cook and tried to draft J.D. McKissick that we were like, well, that's bad news for Devin Singletary. I don't think I'm going to bump Singletary up. I have him at number 28, but it does feel like I need to bump James Cook down.
2: You know, and that's where I felt on this entire conversation is that I had Singletary the highest, but was pretty much out on this back. Well, not out. I was lower than everybody else. I have zero shares of Singletary Cook and, of course, Zach Moss at this point. I don't know if Zach Moss is truly going to be involved. I mean, remember last year, the inactives that were it was like, oh, my God, Zach Moss is inactive. What the hell is going on? This might be like, hey, do you guys want to send us a sixth rounder for, you know, Zach Moss as you lose other running backs? Maybe that's what they're trying to do on the side. And if it's a one-two punch, then we feel better about Cook and Singletary. But it's still a one-two punch with Josh Allen. I'm okay with Singletary. It's just the price was always just, eh, I'm fine with it. But as we've discussed with draft strategy, which is not what we're really talking about today, but the reason I don't have Singletary and I don't have a lot of Tony Pollard's of the world, and Gordon's is because in this range, I'm drafting wide receivers because I got running backs earlier. But I was okay with Singletary's price. I wasn't okay with Cook's because Cook's was so close to his. And so I do think he should come down to, and this is not to be like, ha ha, but where I had him. I had James Cook in the 40s this entire time.
1: Well, that's where he is now. He's number 42. That's sandwiched between Kenneth Gainwell and Michael Carter. The Gainwell thing is interesting because so he did get some run with the starters, but Miles Han- – Miles Sa- I was going to call him Miles Hamstring, which we probably should at this point. <laughs> Miles Sanders is dealing with a hamstring injury, and they say he may be ready for week one. I thought the interesting part about how Philly's game plan developed without Miles Sanders' is in there – Miles Sanders, man, I just, I hope he is. He's out of the league. Apparently, like, I butcher his name every time <laughs> I say it. It was Boston Scott who played what we perceive to be the Sanders role, and Gainwell was playing his normal right. Gainwell role. It's not like Gainwell got a bump up. It was just Boston Scott who stood who He's been capable in the past. Mm-hmm. Not great, not horrible, but it does seem like that's kind of capping the ceiling for Gainwell a little bit.
2: Yeah, you'll appreciate the reference I made on the show this morning with Chris Meany. I called Kenneth Gaywell the constant. From lost, he's the constant, is that he just stays. He's he's the reliable one. So, Kenneth Gainwell's role is about 40, 35% worst case scenario of the work. It's going to be pass catching. He can run between the tackles. I compared him to Philip Lindsay uh, for the earlier this preseason to say, like, remember, Philip Lindsay could run between the tackles. And people were like, why are they using him in the passing game more? At least with Kenneth Gainwell, they're going to consistently use him in the passing game. And if Miles Sanders is out, they turn to Boston Scott, which is what we just played with last year. We just went through this last year, Pat. We talked about it on your show. I talked about it on my show with Meany. It's like we were trying to figure out, okay, who's going to come in? And it was Boston Scott, and he got two touchdowns in that game. And everybody's like, oh, my God. And we were over here like we were trying to tell you that. It was Boston Scott this entire time. So, Genneth Gainwell is established in what he is, which is that he's a RB3 pass-catching option who's going to probably get about 140-ish touches this year. And that's fine for where he is. But... It's the Boston Scott it's just he subs in for Miles Sanders, who is basically eliminated from the passing game at this point, even if he's healthy. So what do we do with my – so I had Miles Sanders at number 30. I was already
1: kind of down on him to begin with based on where I think the consensus is that it now just feels like that's probably, like Antonio Gibson, maybe a bit too high. I don't want to overreact too much because dude's hurt, and he might be ready for week one, and then all bets are off, and he's back to the starting role. Do I just leave him where he is, or do I bump him down? Like, is he with Rashad Penny now and Damian Pierce as a part of that tier rather than Singletary, Kareem Hunt, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Tony Pollard, like that type of guy?
2: Yeah, so I I would put him in my update, which is coming out today. Well, depending on where you're listening because this is on Monday when we're recording, is I have him in the – that we differ on Kareem Hunt, but I have him in that Hunt range with Hunt, Pollard, Melvin Gordon, those kind of guys, whereas that next tier up with Damian Pierce and Singletary, so like he's – we differ on some of those players, but that's where I have him. I have him a little bit further down than you do.
1: So that's right behind Chase Edmonds for me. It's almost like in the- I would J- take Edmonds over him. I would take, yeah. I, I now have Edmonds ranked over Miles Sanders. So that goes Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Melvin Gordon, Chase Edmonds, Rashad Penny, Miles Sanders, Damian Pierce. Would I draft Sanders over Pierce? I probably wouldn't. I'm going to change that. I, I just, I'd rather draft Pierce and maybe he's good. Maybe he sucks and doesn't play and he's on the Texans and he's absolute garbage. But when does Miles Sanders really ever impress us, Jake? Yeah.
2: <laughs> Uh, rookie season
1: yeah unfortunately it's not then it's now that's a, that's a real issue no. what are you making of jk no. dobbins at the moment because harbaugh came out and said like they're still monitoring his progression although he's off the
2: pup list it doesn't sound like he's near 100 percent as of yet it doesn't but i i think i said it to you last week or I, there's so many podcasts at this point but i said jk dobbins is last it's this the saquon barkley situation is that he's going to be out there? He's going to be leading the backfield, but it's probably not going to be the J.K. Dobbins we want until late September. By all the injury analysis reports from multiple websites, is that he's just not going to be a hundred percent. Even though he's ready for Week One, he's not himself for Week One. So, I'm fine with J.K. Dobbins. I still have him in the group of like Jacobs and E.T.N. and those kind of names. And it's more so the fact that I've, look. I, I I would love to have more insurance behind him on my team, but if he's in my RB2, I'm okay with that, knowing that it's a little easier to play mix and match those first couple of weeks than it is later in the season. It's the same. I sat here and made the same argument for Saquon Barkley last year, and we sat here and watched Saquon Barkley at the end of September, being what we had hoped he would be, and then he rolled up his ankle. Hopefully that doesn't happen with J.K. Dobbins, but you have to understand if you're drafting J.K. Dobbins, don't get frustrated the first two or three weeks. He's out there averaging three and a half yards per carry and look, basically looks like Cam Akers did in the playoffs last year.
1: Oh, that wouldn't be good. We need him to look like Cam Akers of this year, who's going to be awesome.
2: Yes. That's who yes. we want
1: to be drafting at this point.
2: But, but on the positive side, if he is Cam Akers of the playoffs and he's getting the bell cow work, then we're happy because he's getting out He's out there for the 70% of the touches.
1: Random question. Would you rather have Isaiah McKenzie or Chris
2: Olave? Who? I I lean slightly towards Olave just because I think, well, he fits the same type of the role that they're trying to bring in for Winston here is bring the intermediate game to his new, like his smarter play that we saw last year before he got hurt. But I think the fact is, is I think Jarvis Landry is easier to get kicked aside than it is for McKenzie to get past Gabriel Davis at number two. Like, I think we've seen from Landry the past two years. What is he like? He's, He's the one you and I talk about so many years and now, like, why are you drafting those guys? Why are you drafting the guys that's like, oh, I could use them on a bye week because you can find 15 of them on the waiver wire. We loved Jarvis Landry because we loved him for years on end, especially in PPR, because he was like, always wide receiver 25. But now he's always wide receiver 45. There's just no upside with him. So I think a could step past them. But I would draft Alave only similar to Dobbins if I had patience. Don't draft Alave and be like, oh, Landry's doing better the first three weeks. I'm dropping Alave because that, that's a mistake. Don't draft like that.
1: I think I'd rather have McKenzie for the sole purpose of if you were the number two on the Saints, potentially the number three, depending on how all this works out. Like you said, he could pass Travis Landry. I still think that number three slash four on the Bills might actually generate more fantasy opportunities. <laughs>
2: Oh, I thought you were going to say if he ever became the two and somebody got hurt because no. I could see that. No, but, y- no, I think if the two on the Saints can... outdoes the three. No,
1: no, no. The, the three on the Bills, I think, is a better fantasy situation because depending on how the situation works, we know that the Saints want to play defense. We know that they want to run the ball. And, yeah, we're kind of terrified that Jameis is going to throw to Camara, but he still probably sees the second most targets on that team.
2: Right, but we're also forgetting like Dawson Knox is still going to be involved in the beginning of the touchdowns. Yeah, in so. the touch- in the touchdowns, yes.
1: I can see that. But if we're talking about the overall equity, I'm sorry, not even equity, because equity would be the wrong thing in this. O- Olave probably has more equity in the Saints' offense. It's just the volume of the Bills' offense and the
2: potential for scoring is so much higher. We should take like, net number two at the end of the year versus net number three for these two and see what they end up with.
1: Well, it would have to be the bet that McKenzie can be ahead of Dawson Knox in that pecking order, but it's also that can Olave be ahead of Kamara and be ahead of Landry as we go through. Oh, no, I was just
2: even saying even if that doesn't happen just as a curiosity of like a number standpoint like if you just took the number two like compiled the number two and then compiled the number three whether it's a a mix of knocks like whoever it was like game to game i don't want to do all that work but like game to game to game the number three versus the game to game to game the number two at the end of the year which would actually come out higher
1: well i'd be curious who would have been the bills number three last year because beasley was probably the two right in terms of volume
2: yeah, and then there was it was Sanders sometimes, but then it was Gabriel Davis sometimes, and that's why I was saying to kind of combine them, because if you just said it's Emmanuel Sanders, you would lose the bet because Emmanuel Sanders was half the games he was a non factor, half the games it was a you know, Dawson Knox type. So I think that's what I was getting at is that if you just took like who was the number three every single week, I think there'd be an argument for it. I would still go for the number two, but I think that would bring things closer.
1: Back to the Dobbins thing for a second. I have Dobbins at number twenty seven right now that's behind guys like Tony Pollard and Damian Harris I'm just kind of distrustful of this knee and maybe we'll end up with this say maybe you'll be right but be wrong like you were with Saquon Barkley where everything started to turn around then he got hurt again and then he just like (laughs) yeah of course you should have faded him he was no good the entire year so maybe that's sort of the angle that I'm playing with this but I just there's something I I personally find distrust distrustful about the situation there's still like no real word about Gus Edwards but you know what I did see and we'd been talking about for weeks Mike Davis laying down the hammer in the backfield throwing up blocks you Mike Davis is going to score fantasy points this year just only because it makes way too much sense after people liked him last year he's being undrafted this year but it really is the perfect situation the perfect team for oh yeah random Mike Davis uh third string running back uh, just you know he's running back 18 by the end of the year it just it Baltimore sets up so perfectly for him based on his skill set he's put his thighs into be remember Mike Davis's thighs like that was a real thing I was it
2: Mike Davis's? Yeah. Was it, did he, he get in? He had was the, he it had was, the giant thighs what, in the preseason last year. He was he was on Thigh Twitter. AJ <laughs> so like Dillon watch
1: AJ Dillon has taken that job this year.
2: <laughs> that's uh, I'm trying to think. Like this is what was I'm I'm looking back right now. So it this is gonna be 2014 Justin set, I couldn't remember if it was fourteen or fifteen. The, so the Justin Forsett, remember that? I mean, like you said it that year. It's like, nope you you want the the Baltimore running backs that nobody wants, and that's what it always is. And that I, was and, I, and also that was the case last year too. After
1: Dobbins went out, it was like, oh man, Tyson Williams, well yeah, because, league, <laughs> league winner. It's like, oh no, they're playing Le'Veon Bell and Devonta Freeman for no reason.
2: <laughs> no, the answer last year is you wanted none. Yeah, well, that's yeah. what the answer was.
1: Well, I mean, Gus Bus had his run when he was starting, and then he got hurt.
2: Yeah, for that, like, yeah, a very small amount of time.
1: Josh Jacobs didn't play in the Raiders game. So now does that mean he's back on
2: good terms? I think he always was on good terms. I actually believe, we talked about it, like, there was some credence to the fact it's a brand-new offense, and whether or not he, he ticked off McDaniels or whatever it might be is, I was always watching, there's two things is he going to get used in the passing game? Eh, that's maybe it's Josh McDaniels just does the same thing you do with the Patriots and he doesn't even get involved in that role, but he was never that much to begin with. We always got excited week one and it's like, oh, well, that was fun. Josh Jacobs was involved for one week. It's more been about who's behind him. And I think that's what we said, go back, pull up your video that you and I talked about a month or two months ago, wherever it was is that we said Kenyon Drake was a Gruden guy and Kenyon Drake might not be long for this roster and opening day and the past week has all been about the fact that Kenyon Drake wasn't even out there until the second unit and third unit was out there. So, he could be gone and it's Zimir White and Brandon Bolden. So, and you know what? Brandon Bolden from Josh McDaniels, it's, it's it's there. So, I'm okay with Josh Jacobs, but Josh Jacobs has always been what Josh Jacobs is. Primarily carrier, primarily touchdown dependent, but if we expect this offense to take another tick forward, then I think Josh Josh Jacobs is a fine RB too. He's not exciting, but he's a fine RB2. He's going to be an RB2 every single year. We, we've we done uh, Isaiah McKenzie. There's three, four Isaiahs to talk about
1: today. So <laughs> Isaiah Pacheco up right now. I moved him to one spot yes. behind Jarek McKinnon. I believe it's number 47 at running back because Clyde Edwards-Lair did start the game as the starter. Yes, Pacheco was getting some goal line runs. He had a goal line target. That's all great
2: stuff, but he's still a backup at this point. I think this one's headed towards a, a committee back-up situation, or um, I guess it's a timeshare backup. as committee as a backfield. Edwards-Hallaire is the lead. It's probably not a lead of 60 65%, but 50% with Pacheco and the addition of McKinnon being used in the passing game. It's kind of like they're going to timeshare behind him, but that timeshare is involved every single week. The frustrating situation here is that Right now, depending on where you're or who you're drafting with, Pacheco's not a good draft spot because people are going to draft him inside the 30s because he's on the Chiefs, but McKinnon's not going to go away. But do you really even want McKinnon at this point? They're just going to siphon off each other and everybody's going to end up frustrating. If Clyde Edwards Alaire falls to like RB3 cost in drafts, I'll just take him as a flex option. But there'll be weeks where he goes out there and gets 12 for 40 two catches and zero touchdowns, and you're just going to be annoyed by this backfield because it's the the excitement of the Chiefs, but it's the reality of what the usage is going to be week in and week out. You know what this backfield is? Go back to what we said. It's basically Doug Peterson on the Chiefs. It's going to be a frustrating backfield, and you're going to be ticked off at somebody every single week. Yeah, I think people forget that before Clyde Edwards-Alaire was
1: drafted, it was always the mix and match. And it's like, man, who do we play from this backfield? Who's going to be the one who scores the touchdowns this week? And then the moment he was drafted, oh, first-round pick running back, like he's Brian Westbrook <laughs> 2.0. This is glorious. Let's take him in the first round. No. no, it just was never going back to what we thought it was ever going to be. <laughs>
2: No, that was also, yeah, don't forget, he ended up a first round pick that year when everybody went back crap crazy after Williams opted out because of COVID.
1: That's right. I mean, Damian Williams was really the answer in this backfield. Like he was. Yeah, it was. I I feel like he has been their best fantasy running back over the past four years. And now he's elsewhere. They should have just brought him back. Atlanta? He's in Atlanta, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah,
1: that's going to be. Could be the option in Atlanta. Could be. (laughs) We'll we'll end up seeing about that. Uh, Isaiah Spiller. Larry Roundtree was the one getting all the carries and not Eckler, but it seems like Spiller's kind of banged up. Do we still think he's the number two for the Chargers?
2: I still think he's the number two, if but maybe not for week one. But the, you remember last year at this very time, I mean, there's other running backs. Josh who Kelly? Were, yeah. Down, no, I was going to say, down in the pecky, like Elijah Mitchell isn't even a mentioned name until week one. And so, like, I'm not saying he's going to be Elijah Mitchell, to be clear but there's plenty of rookie running backs. There's plenty of running backs in general. There's plenty of wide receivers doing the same thing. That's just, they're down in the depth charts and their usage. And then the season rolls around and they just worked their way up. Spiller was always a more of a long-term option. Spiller, I still think has the most potential and I'll bring it. I don't know if you're going to bring him up in the show, but I know people are going to say like, well, look, the clear option behind Joe Mixon is Samaje Ryan. It's so just like, I don't know, sure. Yeah, as of today, boom. They're out for week one, both Joe Mixon and Austin Eckler. Yes, it's going to be Kelly and P. Ryan. But if the talent wins out, I think Evans is a more complete running back. I think Spiller is the best option in that backfield. And that if given multiple weeks and they continue to develop, they could take over. So, you know, they won't be the first answer. But what was the, was it the Chiefs? What was the one that, no, it was the Broncos. Remember the Broncos? We always kept picking the wrong one, or fantasy usually kept picking the wrong one. It was like one or two weeks of some guy. And then the real answer was the one that showed up three weeks after the lead option went down, and that was the one to ride the west of the way. I think that could be these type of situations. So
1: what you're saying is we need to find our Olandis Gary, but from the backups.
2: <laughs> no Sean Moreno. Oh no, Moreno. Forgot about yeah. Me. Forgot about old No Sean.
1: <laughs> So, Isaiah Pacheco, Isaiah Spiller. How about Isaiah Likely, who very much lit up the yeah. preseason? Does Baltimore have – because they don't really have any receivers. Like, you have Bateman, you have Andrews, and then you have question marks everywhere. You have Devin Duvernay. He can play on the outside. And, ja- I- and James Clochet. James Crochet. See, we-, we got some good French names going on in Baltimore right now, you know. But <laughs> like, could Isaiah Likely be just a receiver on this team that they use?
2: they could be. So if you go back to the draft process, I was like, "Oh my god, they just got one of the best tight ends buried and we're we're basically screwed for fantasy hope." And he wasn't the only one. They drafted the Kohler too. But Isaiah likely on let you know what? Let's put him on the Giants when they're talking about Daniel Bellinger right now. If Isaiah likely was on the Giants, we might be like, "Ooh, he could be a tight end too." But is he even going to be a tight end too on a team that still he would be third at best. And he's a rookie tight end. Yes, he's going to be running more routes than versus blocking, but I'm still tempering expectations. I, I, th- I know what you're talking about. Fancy Twitter is going bananas for Isaiah Likely. And, yeah, it's super exciting. But they're I think they're kind of projecting the, the excitement of what we just saw Mark Andrews do onto Likely and Likely his own talent. That's like the Likely the player, not Likely his own talent. So I, I think there's excitement here. Yeah, if Mark Andrews got hurt, of course, but am I drafting Isaiah Likely anywhere in a sixteen-team or sixteen-round no. draft, twelve-team league? No.
1: So we spoke about Isaiah McKenzie, and he's playing all of the slot, not Jamison Crowder for the Bills. I think it's very valuable. Uh, people have been on this bandwagon fart before me, and I'm not making it a bandwagon. I just moved him inside my top 50 to number 48 at wide receiver. I'm not reaching on him. I don't think he's a league winner, but I think he can be a very valuable fantasy asset, especially if something was – I mean, even if something was to happen to Gabe Davis, who really cares? It doesn't seem like it's going to change McKenzie's role. But we've seen enough over the past few years. And maybe that changes with Brian Dable gone. I doubt it, though that McKenzie, if given a full-time receiving role, they do find enough gadget ways to get him involved that his touchdown potential Mm -hmm. could be pretty high, which is a nice add-on to that sort of stuff. It's always like when you had the kick returner, or the punt returner on a team, its just an extra, like Antonio Brown would score like a punt return touchdown here. Not that he needed it, but it was a nice bonus, just like Jarvis Landry. Just those guys who can score in myriad ways, if their volume's down for one game, maybe they can contribute somewhere else, be it on a jet sweep or a punt return, whatever it might be. I always do like having those guys because it gives them a few more outs. Not someone I'm like, man, this needs to be my wide receiver too. But if I need to play someone in a pinch as a bench spot, and that's what he's being drafted as right now, I do like that. But would you rather have Isaiah McKenzie right. or Josh Palmer?
2: Ooh, ah, you're speaking to my heart with Joshua Palmer too. Uh, like. Are we? Are we officially? By the way, are we chopping these names now? Or are we down to Gabe instead of Gabriel and Josh instead of Joshua? Like because they were just the opposite things last year. But anyway, I mean, I, somebody I, figure I, that out. For I,
1: me. I I don't care what it is. I'm just going to refer to them as they're my friends, and this is what I would call them. <laughs>
2: okay, <laughs> that's fair. You don't have a nickname for Josh Palmer? Not yet. He is Canadian. Okay, though. is he? He is. And I, I usually say check birth origin. I, I focus on so many other things, but ah, that's. I just want them both, honestly. So I guess what it'll come down to is, I think if you look at the two teams, the more non-factor. I mean, we're still talking about Parham for what the third straight year. They're talking are, about Parham. Are we? And, are we talking about Parham? Yeah, I mean, we are. And they're like, well, I know I'm we, the community, like they're talking about he's making plays out there and like that Gerald Everett's going to get slashed behind, slot, slotted behind him. So what I'll go, my point being, I'm more of your response of like, are we really like I would rather go for the third wide receiver when the tight end's kind of a non-factor versus the tight end when, as you mentioned, we just had the conversation earlier in the show could be battling for the third option so Isaiah McKenzie's more likely to struggle with Dawson Knox taking away those touchdowns or opportunities whereas I think the tight end as we see with the Chargers is kind of non-factor it was mostly a non-factor last year so I'll go Josh Palmer
1: you know what the tight ends on the Chargers are first touchdown bets in primetime games that's it
2: Hell, we also have to deal with he who shall not be named at tight end there for a while, too. That's the problem.
1: Yeah, he enjoyed catching a nice first touchdown and then doing absolutely nothing after the fact.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data
1: You know who is doing something as he is returning to practice, which is great news for his week one availability. He'd been busted down in the fantasy ranks because he got hurt. We didn't know if his thumb would be ready for week one, and now it appears like it's going to be that way. Instead of drafting Powerham, Jeff's buddy, why don't you just draft Irv Smith? Because it looks like he's back. Everyone wants KJ Osborne now. No, 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 We got no Tyler Conk. The Conk is not taking anything
2: away from Big Irv this year. Big Irv set up to be just very reliable, I feel like. He was in my breakout tight ends. I've been, like, Big Irv the entire time. And, like I said, the Big Irv is the real big tight end that you want. And everybody's finally off of Big O. And I was like, it should have just been Irv Smith the entire time. And you're telling me Irv Smith versus Cole Komet. And I like Cole Komet. We saw he's got barely anybody else to throw to. But at the same time, if you're going to tell me the number two with Justin Fields in that offense, kind of like your argument for the Bills, if he, Cole Komet, who just came off zero touchdowns, I'd be like, i like, he can't score zeroed again. Mm, it's The Bears, really? You really think that he can't score zero touchdowns again? I'm going to take the number three with Kirk Cousins in this offense that Kevin O'Connell is supposed to make even greater than the number two with Justin Fields at the helm. So, I, you I've been, you speaking to the choir, man, Irv Smith has been on so many of my teams.
1: Yeah, I, I have Irv Smith ranked above Cole Komet. I also have Robert Tunyon ranked ahead of Cole Komet as well, just because of the I know the, you love Robert Tunyon. It's not that I love him. It's just I like... You know who I like? Aaron Rodgers. I hear he throws touchdowns. And you know who's <laughs> going to be catching them? I don't know. Could be Bob Tunyon.
2: That's very true. Would you take uh, Irv Smith over Friermuth? Yes, I would. Okay. I yeah, take, I'd take take all
1: three of those guys over Firemouth. So do you have Irv Smith in your top 10, then? I have him at number slots 11, for me. I think. Let's see. Yet yeah, number 11. He's one spot behind Zach Ertz and two behind Dawson Knox. Uh, Oh, so that's the difference. I have Ers Smith over Dawson Knox. I can see it. But I just feel like in sometimes you know how people want Pacheco? Because if you can just invest in the Chiefs offense, that could pay huge dividends. I have the least amount of confidence in Knox. He is the one who knocks. But... (laughs) That doesn't mean I'm not wrong. And if I was going to take a chance on one of these tight ends, now I'm not reaching on Dawson Knox by any stretch of the imagination. He's like, I have a very clear top eight, and then nine and below is like, whatever. And you can get Irv Smith and Robert Tunyon in the final round, whereas you can't draft Dawson Knox there because people are taking him. So it's far more likely that I end up with Irv and Robert Tunyon. But if they were all available in the 16th round, I would take Dawson Knox and hope Isaiah McKenzie isn't a thing. And all of a sudden Dawson Knox catches 13 touchdowns. Because that is a part of his range of outcomes.
2: <laughs> that is, it's, it's not sure. likely.
1: It's not likely. But I can't really say that. I guess Robert Tunyon could technically catch 13 touchdowns in this offense, potentially. Like, that's what did he had a few years ago, like 10?
2: <laughs> I know it's at least eight. I mean, hell. We had the year from oh, what's his face? that uh, the, Richard Rodgers, who ended up as a tight end one that year because I got eight touchdowns. They're available in that Green Bay offense, just like they're available
1: in the Bills offense. And when you have so much talent you actually have to cover, you just have a real tall Dawson Knox
2: standing there here's, like this. Here's the one caveat that we need to throw out. We talk about this every year, Pat. If you draft a Tanya, if Tanya is your answer, okay, yes, there's the scenario where he does nothing for the th- first three weeks and you move on to some way, like our boy Brevin Jordan, that you should just draft anyway. But let's just say – he's doing fine. He's catching a touchdown every third game, every other game. Just put him in the lineup every single week and stop trying to guess because you're going to get it wrong and then you're going to miss out on half the reason you drafted Robert Tanya. Like for the people that we, you and I sat here and said, don't draft Jared Cook. But if you do, just leave them in your damn lineup and stop trying to predict the matchups.
1: Yeah. You're going to have to eat the three for 17 weeks that come along with yes. Robert Tunyon, But you know, two weeks later, it'll be three for 17 and three touchdowns. Like, okay. That, that was pretty useful. It just, you, once yes. you get down to this level, whether we're talking about Austin Hooper or Fryermuth or Noah fan or Mike Gisicki, more on in a second, uh Hunter Henry, Brevin <laughs> Jordan, like you mentioned, like these guys are all terrible. Like you're hoping that you can mind the right weeks out of them. And once you get to this range, I'm far more interested in touchdowns. Like, I do think that Irv Smith and Cole Komet, and potentially Fryermith as well, all kind of hold a place of relative stability in PPR and half-point PPR formats because of their potential target share and their ability to put up 5 for 50 games. That's great and everything, but if they're not, like, super high on the touchdown list, the weeks that you get from Tunyon are just going to be better and actually win you weeks. And most people have bad tight ends anyway, so, like, the bad weeks don't really kill you yeah very good point that's yeah uh so mike is don't all draft right. that guy he sucks
2: <laughs> we we sat here and talked about this as soon as the addition yeah, of but yeah, but you happened. know
1: you know what it's happening again don't draft sticky get <laughs> it's gone dry no more stick him he gone.
2: he even said it in his interview he even said the fact that like prior to this year he's been a receiver a tight end playing receiver now he's a tight end playing tight end. He understand, like, he knows he he wouldn't draft himself.
1: It's a pretty good reason. I mean, maybe he sucks at fantasy football. Maybe that means we should draft him. It's like <laughs> doing that. Right.
2: What was the Washington tight end? Remember the Washington tight end that drafted himself and caught, like, three touchdowns that one week? Oh, what the hell was his name? Yeah. Or was he playing against himself Bates? or something was like it, that? Was, was, it John, loose. was it John Bates? Is that a guy no, but it was a very no that's that's that guy right now oh. that's that's the one that could get yeah it, it was somebody uh, chris Con- No wait chris there's something it was CC. It was A cc is it conley no it chris, something like that
1: it wasn't chris conley's not a tight end i know
2: i know but it's like that was the name it was like a cc name Man, i'm super curious
1: okay let me ask you this question what do we do with <laughs> christian kirk and big marv chris cooley Wasn't Chris Cooley the guy? It who, no, wasn't Chris Cooley the guy who had the NFL.com commercial where he caught the ball through the wall?
2: Wasn't, he, wasn't Chris Cooley <laughs> the cooler? Wasn't he good for a while? Yeah, but I'm pretty sure he had the three touchdown game too, like back in 2007 or something. Oh, maybe this is. We're like, heading down the super rabbit hole that like I sent us down. Now Christian
1: Kirk, Marvin Jones.
2: Um, yes, not Laquan Treadwell.
1: Christian yeah, Christian Kirk, sorry, and Marvin Jones sen- Senior. Not junior, seniors who you want to have there. You don't want the junior as of right now. Maybe later, but senior for this year. I think we're too low on them. I have Christian Kirk at number 39 at receiver. Is that too low? Like, should is he better than Darnell Mooney? Because he might be.
2: Mooney kind of reeks. <sighs> I, well, it's uh, it's more so Justin Fields in the passing game kind of reeks. I, I've been it's funny that you said that, because I have had Christian Kirk in the 30s this entire time, and I keep seeing and I keep saying I want him higher. But who My do you put him ahead of? That... Like, do you put him ahead
1: of Drake London? No, right?
2: No. Do you put do him you ahead... Put him again? even ahead of Robert Woods? No.
1: Yeah, like... I, I I would take the chance on him over Robert Woods, but like, would I take the chance on him over Hunter Renfro? No. Alan Lazard? No. Jerry Judy? No. Devonta
2: Smith? I see. I think, I think that's where I'm also... at. Yeah, and you're mentioning a lot of the guys that are in the same. Like, okay, we differ on Robert Woods, but all these names that you're mentioning, he's in the same group for me. He's in that 30 group, and it's the fact of. I don't know that anybody on the Jaguars goes over 1,000 receiving yards. Ooh, I think Christian Kirk. I don't about that. Yeah. I, you, I can see them being 4,000 passing yards, Kirk being like 900, Marvin Jones 800, and then Treadwell with a couple hundred, and whoever else, if they stick with Chenault, getting 300 himself, and then Evan Ingram getting six or 700, and Dan Arnold getting 500. Like, I just think it's going to be so spread out. And then Etienne in the backfield that – I think what's best for Lawrence is not forcing it to anybody, Kirk included, and I think that's what we've seen so far. Now, granted, he had, what, like a 36% target share in this past game, but it wasn't the full complement of the offense. I do think Kirk is the favorite to lead. I would absolutely draft Kirk out of all of them. I just don't know. Even if he does, let's say he catches 1,100 yards, who's going to have more touchdowns, him or Mooney? I think that's a a worthy conversation to have. I
1: mean, probably Christian Kirk. I would –
2: probably are the bears but i think
1: it's a worthy a, conversation going to score a touchdown this year because they might not
2: this year yeah. be the first all, couple all, weeks all, all by the way games. chris cooley week 14 2005 three touchdowns against the cowboys there we go that's what it was
1: uh, who is the guy on opening night for the cowboys the receiver ogletree that was against the giants in oh yeah 2000- back-to-back weeks it was 2000- weeks one
2: and two that year 2011
1: opening thursday night ogletree i think had three touchdowns and then everyone picked yeah, him and up. and then he had and another he had a good week too. And then he sucked.
2: Oh, no. no, I was gonna say he had a decent week two where like everybody who didn't believe week one waited, and then after week two, and there was like, oh, everybody's. And then that's what. And he completely disappeared after that. That tracks. Mervin Jones, I had
1: ranked pretty low. Would you rather draft Wendell Robinson or Mervin mm-hmm. Jones Senior? Wendell Robinson. Would you rather draft? Marvin Jones
2: is falling into that that Randall cut, like we talked about before, like. He's just going to be Marvin Jones in the 40s. Like, he's just going to be that Jarvis Landry. Those guys okay. where it's like, I want the guy. Wandall Robinson could potentially be nothing. But there's a world where Wandall Robinson is also top 25 wide receiver. DeAndre Hopkins or Marvin Jones? Hopkins, and I'll wait.
1: Okay. Donovan Peoples-Jones or Marvin Jones?
2: Marvin Jones because That's the spot. Jacoby Brissett can't throw to Donovan Peoples-Jones. <laughs> he's too far down
1: the field. Hey, okay. Jacoby Brissett was the guy that he used to bring in to throw Hail Mary's instead of Tua.
2: That, that, yeah, but they never landed. No, but <laughs> they he, just kind of like he threw it really. He high. could chuck it down there. <laughs> yeah, throw it really high. <laughs> I put it this way: there's he, a difference.
1: He can't. He can throw it just as far as that Bills guy can punt it. Uh, sure, <laughs> that was so bad. I mean, that guy has a boom leg. So,
2: <laughs> oh wait, you're talking about the good one? I thought I thought you were talking about the one that went like 20 yards. No, no, punt Jesus! Is that not the Bills guy?
1: Is. no, the guy the guy that just won okay, the job? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Marvin Jones, where's old people Jones here? Got to slot in. Like I would,
2: at this point, I would take George Pickens over Marvin Jones. I'm just gonna take the upset. Marvin Jones is replaceable. I have Pickens ahead of
1: him, but I don't. I, I don't think I'd even it,
2: take Michael Gallup. I don't know about that.
1: I did bet. I had. I finally found some really good odds on C.D. Lamb, offensive player of the year, seventy-five to one. Very excited about it. Ooh. he's gonna be so Ooh. terrible. I can just feel it now. Now that I, now that I'm in <laughs> you on him, he oh. just ruined it. Oh yeah just absolutely killed me uh tom brady apparently he's going to play football this year he's going to return to practice not on the mass center he's not on the mass singer no he was just on like vacation with giselle and the kids like he's like yeah i'm tom brady i'm 45 like don't worry about me i'll show up and i'll I'll be ready (laughs) it's not like the guy the guy has an off season he's tb12 he's doing the diet year round uh and Worfs looks like he's gonna be fine for week one although they did lose an offensive lineman either this week in practice or yeah we I'm not too worried about that. I want my left tackle to be out there, and it appears like he's going to be fine. Where are you at with Brady? Because this, I don't know, this whole preseason thing, great for NFL media. It gives people tons of stuff to talk <laughs> about. But, like, pure fantasy-wise, I never shifted anyone anywhere. I think he's going to be fine. I mean, Cus picked him to win MVP. I, I assume that's why all of this weird narrative happened. But, no, oh, Evan's <laughs> fine. Godwin fine. Tom Brady. These guys are good. If, Le- if. Leonard Fournette, well, top 10
2: running back. Godwin's a little bit of a question mark. Still, it's yeah. One of those ones like, yeah. So Brady, I still have at the second half of the top 10 quarterbacks just for the main reason it's all in the arm. And, yeah, he just finished number two. But it's zero rushing upside. And then what if Godwin isn't 100% for week one? And then you're Julio Jones, Russell Gage, no Gronkowski, who, yeah, granted, they have other options at wide receiver that they didn't have last year. But still, that Gronkowski – connection is similar to taking away Tyra Lockett from Russell Wilson it's just like that that knowledge of where he's going to be and I know I'm getting a touchdown in a red zone if I need him so I just say like Tom Brady's great it's just there's a big floor of we've already seen it from Aaron Rodgers like what if I'm not saying it's going to happen but what if he throws 4,300 yards still a nice year but it throws only 28 touchdowns he's not even a top 10 quarterback again it's Tom Brady so don't expect it it's just that when you look at the names he's around like Kyler Murray and Herbert and Mahomes and even Hertz and stuff like that, you know, you're getting such a high, you know, opportunity elsewhere with like the Murray and the Hertz and stuff like that, that I just haven't, I've always had him at like seven or eight. And people are always like, Oh, why do you hate Tom Brady? I don't, it's just, I see more of a variance. And that's why he's not a locked in guaranteed. Like if if Tom Brady falls to the 10th round, I'll take him, but I'm definitely not taking him in that fifth, sixth, seventh round. Oh, I'm
1: with you. I have Tom Brady at number 10. I think he's a starter. Mostly, there you go. I think he should be starting on your fantasy team most weeks, but I don't think that he's a lock by any means. Like, give me Trey Lance. That's who I want instead.
2: Yes. We've already had that discussion many times. But how about which? How about this discussion? After,
1: how about this discussion? Then? Okay. Because I'm very curious to see your take on this. Cause I've been just absolutely smitten from preseason, so no big deal. Guy's not going to be playing unless Ryan Tannehill gets hurt and he ends up winning the backup job. But how good of a fantasy player would
2: Malik Willis be?
3: I feel like I feel like he would
1: be
2: top five if he was a starter. Go back to draft time. Malik Willis should not have fallen in the draft to where he did. Malik Willis was the best quarterback in the draft, in my opinion. Yes, best in the draft, in my opinion. I think he has the chance to be a starter in the NFL as early as next year, potentially if this year happens. And like you just mentioned with Ryan Tannehill, who saw the writing on the wall when he even made his comments because guess what? Zero dead money. He's gone next year if Malik Willis can be anything, and we've seen it. He makes some stupid decisions. But I already said the upside of Malik Willis And I'm not calling them Patrick Mahomes, but we sit here and praise, no, but we sit here and praise Patrick Mahomes for making the throws Malik Willis has been making. Some of them are stupid decisions. Some of them are going to turn into turnovers until you are Patrick Mahomes. Not saying that, but all the similarities are there between he and Patrick Mahomes of the potential, same thing with Trey Lance being Josh Allen, probably never going to be Josh Allen, but it's the similarities and styles and what could be. I believe Malik Willis, if starting for the Titans, he would be a QB1. He would be back end, but we just talked about Jalen Hurts and all it takes to be a QB1. He's going to run. He's going to be aggressive. He's going to make some stupid decisions and turnovers and some interceptions. But if we're talking fantasy, he'd be a QB1.
1: If he was the starting quarterback for the Titans right now, I'd take him over Lance, and I'd take him over (sighs) Hurts.
2: Not Hurts. Maybe Lance.
1: I was considering putting Lance ahead of Hurts. I can't because I'm a coward. But I just feel like what his upside potential is with the throwing and running, I think it beats what Hurts. I mean, we know what Hurts' baseline is. That's why he's so valuable. It's very hard for him to have bad fantasy games. It feels like with Willis, like we're seeing – I mean, Justin Fields kind of falls into this as well, but he doesn't run like Willis runs. Uh, in terms of just being as effective. But just the offense that he would be stepping into with a much better offensive line, like he'd just be so much more effective at doing this. It'd be deep passes and running, which is fantastic news. Plus, they do have a running back that you have to account for, which you you start running an RPO or two with Derrick Henry, and all of a sudden, you're going to have a lot of running room from time to time throughout the course of a game. And almost like the Jameis year that we talked about,
2: you know, interceptions and
1: fumbles aren't bad for fantasy. They're actually good
2: for a quarterback because
1: it keeps them throwing and running.
2: Yeah, 33 touchdowns, 30 interceptions, QB two. So, like, I can see it, you know, and even thinking about more, though, because of the weapons, because I'm a Robert Woods guy, but he's their number one. And Traylon Burks can't even get to be number two, who I love Traylon Burks, pure talent, but I think he's more of next year or even late this year than next year. But even if it is, you're telling them, stack up the rosters. And I would still take the Eagles and the 49ers rosters, over the titans because it's basically derrick henry an injured veteran we're hoping for and then a bunch of question marks so i love i love malik willis but doesn't sound uh, uh, like i actually think it kind of sounds like you hate oh, malik of course so of course, it sounds like i uh, like <laughs> i i hate the guy i saw an article about that the other day nobody loves this guy more than me i'm drafting him outside the first round
1: what what
2: baker mayfield has been named the starting quarterback for the curl Carolina- oh For the
1: Carolina Panthers, he won. I mean, he needed a rookie to get injured, and Sam Darnold had to be his competition. But he gets the Browns week one. Baker was always going to be a healthy Baker, at least. is always going to be the better situation for DJ Moore, for Robbie, now spells his name differently, Anderson i guess for christian mccaffrey i guess it's kind of irrelevant at this point is there anyone else that we should even like should we even be drafting i mean yes people are drafting robbie anderson you probably should draft robbie anderson if he's available in like the last round or whatever it is but you're not going out of your way to get robbie anderson like outside of dj Moore in this receiving game because mccaffrey sucks up theoretically so much of it when he's on the field is there an option that you would take like is Terrace marshall someone you want to take a shot on or no
2: I was if Robbie Anderson faltered and lost a job to him, but Terrence Terrace Marshall has actually not even been out there a ton himself. So I Robbie Anderson just two years ago was what neck and neck with DJ Moore inside the top 50, top 25. And I'm not saying Robbie Anderson's going to get back to that. And Christian McCaffrey's a huge fan. He's a, Robbie Anderson's third It's DJ Moore, or Christian McCaffrey. Like, let's make that clear for everything, but tight ends, a non-factor tremble. I like tremble, but it's tremble and Ian Thomas. As I mentioned, Terrace Marshall, great talent, but struggled last year. Injuries on top of it hasn't really been out there much again this preseason. There's, you know, we're seeing uh, Rashad Higgins getting run out there. So fun. I think it's a very clear, yeah, it's a very clear three. And if Robbie Anderson's the three with Baker Mayfield, I'm in on him. As you said, like I'm not going out of my way, but you know, I see Robbie Anderson as you mentioned. He's still on the board after names that we've already talked about, like third wide receivers, like KJ Osborne, Josh Palmer. Off the board, Robbie Anderson's still sitting there. DJ Chark, who might not be even a starter when Jameson Williams is 100%. Off the board. Perry Campbell, as you will say. Sky Moore. These guys are off the board, and Robbie Anderson's still sitting there because nobody wants Robbie Anderson this year.
1: Well, everyone tried to use Robbie Anderson last year, and if you looked at, like, oh, man, unrealized air yards, Robbie Anderson, this guy should be scoring 30 fantasy points a game. I think he did it once. Like He had like the really good game <sighs> once, and it was really late into the season.
2: You know who was top 10 in unrealized areas last year? Cortland Sutton. And I'm not saying Baker Mayfield is Russell Wilson, but like, you know, so one gets a better quarterback. They both get better quarterbacks. One gets a future Hall of Famer quarterback. One gets Baker Mayfield, but still we're just 100% all in on Cortland Sutton being top 15, and we still don't want Robbie Anderson. Again, I'm not saying like it should be crazy, but maybe he's going to have a terrible season now because I have way too much Robbie Anderson. Okay.
1: I mean, I, for the record, I would rather have Isaiah McKenzie over Robert, or Robbie Anderson. Who is the other name that you hit? Josh Palmer. I think I'd take a chance on him, just in a high, in what I project to be a higher scoring offense. But you could be completely right, because it doesn't seem like Carolina's going to win very many games. So a lot of throwing in their future. The Vikes traded yeah. for Nick Mullins from the Raiders. I like, I mean, you know how much the Pat Mayo experience and the entire community love Nick Mullins as he is the most anti-cust player of all time. But I think it's a really nice fit that if Cousins goes down, you have a quarterback who's like semi-capable of making some high-efficiency deep throws.
2: Like discount Kirk Cousins. Yeah, very much so, yeah. They hate Colin Mond. Hate him. Like, so, I mean, but that's also telling that you have a new head coach coming in and they still don't like Kellamon to the fact that they traded for Nick Mullins, so that's that's pretty telling. Michael Thomas uh has a hamstring injury at practice. I don't know whether this is a good
1: thing or a bad thing. I think it's a good thing, because I'm drafting him either way. Is it? And I'm taking the chance. And this only works to like he was we were starting to see Michael Thomas creep up in ADP into like yeah. the into the low sixties, into the high fifties. I feel like this news will bump him back down to like low sixties, mid seventies, where I'm fine gambling on him anyway.
2: The thing is, is I, he's another one that I want to put higher, but I don't know how I get him. And he Where do you have can. him? Where do you have him? He, Twenty-three. I have him at
1: twenty-five. So you're higher on him than I am. I have him behind Hollywood Brown and Rashad Bateman.
2: So I have him behind neither of them. Yeah, neither of them. So there's there's the difference right there, because he finished number one, and granted, it was the Drew Brees, but he still could finish top ten, but. When you're drafting, and this is why you, This is so there's two parts to this. It's like, this is why you can't put him higher, but you should go get Michael Thomas at his cost because he could finish top 10. It's just, how do you sit there in a draft and take Michael Thomas over Jalen Waddell and Allen Robinson and Cortland Sutton and Brandon Cooks and Mike? Well, like, you just don't do it, but at the same time, could he finish in front of all of them? Absolutely. And that's why I, I'm with you. If this drives down his cost and you keep getting Michael Thomas as your third wide receiver, and it's just printing money.
1: And that's why I say I think it's I have no idea how it's going to affect his real life status. It could be horrible. He has a blown out hamstring or something. That doesn't appear to be the case. But you know, soft tissue injuries in training camp tend to be reoccurring. That's never good news. But the whole point is, I'm taking him either way at where he's going. So anything that can bump down his value is good in my books because it's just cheaper for me.
2: Yeah, I'm with you.
1: All the Michael Thomas. All the last year's trash. Well, how about Logan Thomas, who apparently is going to be maybe okay for week one, maybe week two. Do you have any interest in him? Maybe.
2: Uh, it, it doesn't sound like he's even going to be 100% till t- late. And, you know, I think that this is another team similar to the Panthers we just talked about where I would have been excited about Logan Thomas if he was already out there for a few weeks and looking like Logan Thomas again. But because of Dotson and the fact that Curtis Samuel is healthy as of today and actually doing nice work in the slot. So uh, Ben Standick for the Athletic broke down. Terry McLaurin, 90% out wide, a little bit in the slot and then Curtis Samuel is about 90% in the slot, barely out wide, and Dotson's basically sitting almost around 50-50. It was that 60-40 split, which tells you what the pecking order is, is that Samuel is going to be out there in three wide. But so far, this offense has looked good with those three running in those situations, which makes Dotson increasingly intriguing. But point being is it kind of just leaves out the tight end position. It's very few – like, we talk about this every year, Pat. How many teams throughout the year – do we want a fourth option in the passing game that's not even included in the backfield? So, yeah, Logan Thomas was fun, and I was excited when he could potentially be the number three, but I feel like he's the four now. He was like the number two for
1: a while. You know, like He was, because then nobody else. Yeah, he was splitting uh,
2: splitting second receiving duties with
1: J.D. McKissick.
2: <laughs> yeah. See, and that's the thing. You still have McKissick in the backfield with Gibson. I just don't know that there's anything even left for Logan Thomas if he's healthy. Pure pass, then. Uh, Romeo
1: Dubs or Christian Watson? Dubs, are we calling it Dubs or dubs?
2: Do we know this yet? Uh, he said Dubs, right? Instead of Dobbs. That's why. Did I, he say Dobbs instead of Dubs? I do. like. I feel like there was conflicting reports within the same week. Dubs is
1: fun. Dubs is far more fun. That's what I said. Just go with that. We're gonna roll with that. So Dubs a beer. But I will go with
2: that because Watson's intri- Watson's more of a physical specimen and more of a dangerous ability threat. But he's kind of. I'm not saying he's Dorial Green Beckham. But kind of in that, like he's I know, but he's projectable, very freak, athletic, great wide receiver potential. I didn't think that even if he was 100 percent, which he had missed some time, which opened the door for everybody else, that he was kind of like similar to Burks and a lesser version of Burks. Like he was more of like, okay, develop, let him develop and let's talk about Christian Watson next year.
1: Tyquan Thornton has a collarbone injury. He's going to miss what looks to be at least eight weeks. I mean, he got a touchdown week one in preseason without any of the Patriots starters in, so you know he was going to be good. How does the pecking order in New England break down? I care about Jacoby Myers. I think that he's just such a reliable – it depends on the size of your league, I think. But, like, in a 14-team or a 16-team, he's just such a reliable guy to
2: have. Mm, Devontae Parker is healthy for now. Yeah, for Dante now. Henry and – Jonah Smith is healthy for now. Hunter Henry still one of their primary options at tight end, and it's a backfield-led team. And just and Mac Jones, and now I just I, I really don't like Jacoby Myers is another one. I don't ever have Jacoby Myers because what's the ceiling for Jacoby Myers?
1: Yeah, but wide receiver thirty.
2: It's it's funny because I do kind of preach like
1: the upside, upside, upside uh, right. with a lot of these guys. But there are I mean you've watched me win league. Remember when I kept drafting J D. McKissick every Cole year? Yeah, the, oh, Cole, the Cole Beasley types, the JD McKissick types that you just need them to have like they're so reliable that they're a safety net for your team in a way because you're never actually going to have to play them. And I do think that taking a mix of more upside guys versus reliable players for your bench is most definitely the smart move. But the years that I like the year that I won with Cole Beasley, what happens? He had an outlier Cole Beasley or he did Cole Beasley stuff and then he just got it amped up by like 30 percent that he was an every week starter and he was really good that if you can catch him on sort of an outlier type season, it's a bonanza for for your team, however, in a pinch, bye weeks, whatever it might be, if you have to turn to Jacoby Myers in half point or most definitely in full PPR, mm. I don't think that he's a bad option.
2: He's not a bad option, but I just look because I, I actually, I, I underestimated by one. Do you know how many double digit games he had last year? Eight. Five. Five.
3: Yeah.
1: I was going to guess four. I can see it, but he's, he's playing with a rookie quarterback, and they were up in a lot of games, weirdly, and I just don't think they're going to be that good this year. But he
2: had targets 9, 6, 14, 12, 5, 6, 7, 9, four, four, 6, 8, 12, 8, 8, 8, 9, like, and he still only had the five double-digit games. I just I can't do Jacobi Myers. I, I, it's all yours. I do like it, hey,
1: hey, put it this way. It's the same reason I ended up with a bunch of Hunter Renfro last year, and just I lucked into an outlier year, and he was really good, and I don't think he's going to be as good this year.
2: OK, but yeah, I mean, if he but, gets an outlier, okay, we'll come back to that he, he, one and I'll say like you were 100 percent right. Here's what we're here's
1: what I'm talking about when it comes to it. let's say you have three bench spots for three wide receivers and you're all in that sort of range mm-hmm. that you could have Wendale Robinson, Chris Olave and Josh Palmer. I mean, I would take two of those guys and Jacoby Myers. I, why and, do i why, okay, why, yeah. why do i need three lottery tickets i can have two lottery tickets and then i can have a guy who i know is i know what his role is and you just run out the targets like a few more things break his way and then all of a sudden he's going like eight for 80 every single week and hey if, god forbid he scores four touchdowns in a year all of a sudden he's like a wide receiver number 35 which is valuable
2: It's. i said that's a fair argument yeah there i'm are. with you on the the mix of the wide receivers on your bench there we are. you don't want 100 percent bust options. I completely agree. Um,
1: And that's the case that I'm trying to make here. So I'm glad you agree. Anything else that you think we need to talk about from the weekend to get people ready for their dress? Because I feel like, is it next week or the week after that more people are doing their dress? I feel like it's right before Labor Day weekend and like in Labor Day weekend. Or is it this weekend?
2: No, it's next weekend. That makes sense. That's what I'm doing. Usually... yeah, because it's like usually the third weekend game, they try to get that out of the way, but now the third weekend game is that's it because there's no fourth weekend anymore. So I think you're going to get a lot of next weekend and then the Labor Day spill over. So basically, I'd say starting... So this weekend, i say basically starting the 27th all the way through Labor Day. The one thing I will say we didn't mention, and we mentioned on last show, I just for people that might not have seen it because I was watching the game and I even sat here and said, Ooh, this is a little bit concerning for Damian Pierce that he's not there with the first, he's not having in the second quarter. Then what the hell is going on? And then during the game, we got the report that the Texans were so confident in Pierce. They didn't even want to risk him. And they wanted to evaluate and see the other running backs fire up that Damian Pierce. We talked about him early in the show, but we didn't talk about that aspect of him.
1: Okay. Who's the number two in Houston? Wide receiver. Nico?
2: Matt. Oh, two? Yeah. Yeah, Nico Hollins. Yeah. Or yeah. Brevin Jordan.
1: Oh man, it'd be nice with Brevin Jordan. Gotta, I really like the name Brevin. I'm not gonna lie to you. I think it's I think it's a cool name
2: that's a cool name <laughs> yeah, a
1: good name uh so the rankings now have a fresh coat of primer on them they're all officially updated as i was you've heard me typing i was doing it during the show to make sure that they match what i was saying jake so they're all updated right now at dknation.com or just hit the description and you can find all of the quick links to there plus all of the other stuff from the pme draft guide is down in the description as well as is the week one DraftKings rake free tournament and if you want to run your projections for free RunTheSims.com. You want to get the DFS and betting package all in one. RunTheSims.com slash mayo will get you a discount off of the full season price. You're going to want it in two weeks. You may as well use it now and at least try to utilize it for week three of the preseason and get those game playing time projections to really dominate the props in DFS. What do you got going on over at theAthletic.com this week?
2: Yeah. So I mentioned the trash thing earlier because this week is last week's trash. Uh we're renaming because everybody's calling things my guys these days. So basically the guys I drafted that you should too. And then what else? Oh, we're gonna hit that up the beat reporters over the next two weeks there, Pat. We're gonna have some of the popular questions like how really concerned about Gibson should, oh, should we be? You're, you're gonna talk to them. Yeah. You're
1: not physically going to hit them.
2: Oh no. Oh I that's just, good, yeah, that's yeah, good on keep, their part. Yeah, keep my keep my job. Yeah. yeah.
1: I mean, maybe that's part of the job then. If you're a beat reporter, you have to come in, see we smacks you around a bit, and then you got to go back on your way.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Fortunately, they're very light slaps coming from me.
1: At AllInKid on Twitter, once again, TheAthletic.com. Follow me at ThePME. Rankings are updated. Smash likes up to the channel and the podcast. I'm going to be giving, Jake, should I give someone, should I give one person 500 bucks, two people 250 bucks, five people 100 bucks? I mean, that's going to be giving away money before the start of the season. So stay tuned on how people should get that. What do you think I should do? What do you think people would like more? Five, one person gets 500, five people get 100. What, what would you be in the market for?
2: I would do it kind of like a fantasy league. One person gets 250, two get 200, and one gets 50.
1: I don't want to do 50. I want to make it at least 100 for people. So I guess maybe I'll give away Okay, then
2: one person gets 200 and three people get 100.
1: All right, maybe check back because the giveaways are coming. I'll tell you how to do that. Uh, we got AFC, MFC, win totals. We'll be back with Jake. We got some more DraftKings strategy coming and some betting strategy along with the best bets for the year all over the course of the next 12 days. So Mayo Media Network is where you want to be at. Sub to it on YouTube right now and the Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast written review five stars if you got the time. Thank you all for watching. I'm Pat Mayo. I'll see you next time.
0: Pat Mayo Experience